Welcome everyone to another Becker's Healthcare podcast. I'm Mariah Muhammad, she, her pronouns with Becker's Healthcare. I'm thrilled to have with me today, Dr. Kimberly Canteens from UPMC Hospital. Dr. Canteens, it's so nice to meet you. How are you today? Good, I'm fine. Thanks for having me. Wonderful. I am so excited to talk to you today. Um, But before we begin, would you mind please introducing yourself, your title, uh, and telling us a bit about your background? I would love to. I um, work at the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center Presbyterian Hospital, which is the quaternary care hospital for the 40 hospital large UPMC healthcare system. So we're about 800 beds. We do probably 20% of the surgical volume. I'm the clinical director, perioperative services. I'm an anesthesiologist by training. I attended college at the Medical College of Pennsylvania, now Drexel, and then did my anesthesiology residency here at the University of Pittsburgh. I financed my medical education through the United States Army. So I served for four years at Fort Hood. I only bring that up because as as it happens in the army, you really can be all that you can be. And probably within six months of my residency, I was in my first administrative position and have remained in administrative medicine throughout my whole career. Currently, clinical director means uh, I manage the resources for the process of having surgery from the preoperative outpatient clinic that we run to the inpatient perioperative medicine service that we run. I am involved in surgical block schedule allocation. And then I deal with the yearly, monthly, daily allocation of the labor resources in our department of anesthesia that include physicians, nurses, and residents. And there you have it. Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you for your service. Um, Yeah. So with all your experience, I love to ask you this next question, which is, what are the biggest issues you're following in healthcare headed into the new year? Well, needless to say, here in the very, very labor-intensive operation that is surgical services, we continue, continue to deal with significant capacity constraints. Uh, we, We are seeing, as everyone is, historically high vacancy rates in our nurses across our hospitals and in our surgical services as well, including surge techs, ORRNs, and now our CRNAs as well. We have here over the past two years, uh, two and a half years, decreased our capacity to to do surgery, basically decreased our available block schedule time for surgery by 30% because of our labor constraints. And we continue to have the labor constraints are easing up a bit. So we're able to add back some surgical capacity, but it really continues um, to be problematic in a couple of ways. you could understand this is an extremely expensive way to run a surgical suite with probably 40 to 50% of our employees right now in surgical services being from an agency, whether it's external or our own sort of internal temporary employment agency that we have here at UPMC. So you see this is expensive. These people come in to this quaternary care environment all very, very talented and very willing to work, but not everyone capable of working quite all of the cases that we do here, including very complex cardiovascular work, level one trauma, complex neurosurgical work, complex cancer care, like any large quaternary care institution. Secondly, my surgical colleagues are, you know, understandably frustrated. 
They lost block time that we've not been able to give back. Secondly, we sort of cannibalize the end of the day to start the day in open rooms. So blocks that would have normally run for 12 hours for surgery, now we have to cut short at sometimes seven, eight, and 10 hours. So my surgical colleagues are pretty frustrated. So overall, I would say our environment in, in surgical services is, is fairly tense. It's, it's, a, it's a, um, on occasion, a difficult kind of place to work because of these capacity constraints, not because of the people or our spirit, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've heard that, you know, often. And for the next question, I feel like you have touched on this a bit, but what are you most excited about? And also what is making you nervous, which you kind of touched on, but anything else? Well, what I'm, what I'm, you know, excited about is also the, the stuff that makes us all very nervous. Boy, change has got to come. Change in the way that we do business in these hospitals in terms of resource allocation and how long patients stay in the hospital and how we care for them while they're in the hospital. It makes me excited. I mean, this is certainly a time of change. Technology has brought such great healthcare innovation um, that I, I, I really think the, the future is increasingly exciting. I personally, in the, in the surgical services realm, I'm really interested in these wearable surveillance devices where you can use a small device the size of an iPhone and we could monitor a patient's heart rate, blood pressure, oxygen saturation, all these important vital signs in the perioperative period and determine who might have a complication before we really ever see it in the way that we typically see it in the hospital, which is taking your vital signs every four hours. So I think there's a lot of really exciting stuff going on in that arena. Of course, what makes me nervous is what we've talked about, this, this capacity issue, the scarcity issue. And I was reluctant to speak a little bit about quality because I'm very, very concerned about quality. We've done so much with so little now for two and a half to three years that it's only a matter of time until quality suffers. And thankfully, I, I just looked in my email to see today's CFO report that talks about the $5 trillion question. We have got to change the way we're doing business. And while it's, I like change and I, I like the strategy of change, it makes everyone a little nervous because we really do need a large change here in order to, to really continue to provide the level of health care that we've been providing without excessive losses in all of these healthcare systems, financial losses. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that. And before I let you go, doctor, the last thing that I wanted to ask you is what will be the most effective healthcare leaders need to be to be successful in the next two to three years? What do they need the most? I mean, I, I think it's really, we have to have true leaders, leaders of people, people that, you know, it, up to up to certainly for the past decade we've been able to have highly talented financial and strategical people leading our healthcare systems without really leading at the ground level leading these groups of very fragile and and mobile workforces our people could go work anywhere they want to in the country so we need leaders that understand um, that this is a, a new paradigm in healthcare labor, that we need to keep the good employees that we have while not sacrificing quality, 
and certainly not sacrificing um, the patient-centered care that we want. So I, I, I really do think it's an exceptionally challenging time to be a leader in healthcare, and and we'll see the successes and we'll see the failures in the next two to three years. Absolutely. I completely agree. Um, thank you so much for those final thoughts, Dr. Canteens. That is all I have for you today. So I want to thank you so much for joining me. This has been an amazing discussion. I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course.